0: Oh, this is so boring. What else is on? Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an animation podcast for Geeky Girl Experience. I'm Hope Mullinax and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite animated shows. In this episode. We have an entire season under our belt of Gravity Falls, and we're going to look back on it. This is our Gravity Falls Season 1 wrap-up. How you doing, Krius? Good. Having I'm doing a good really day? good. Oh, it's yeah, been so beautiful. Like We're getting a taste of fall. Like I have all my windows open. and It's like 75 degrees, and I'm just like, yes. Though we have uh, uh, Hurricane Sally heading our way, so we're about to have several very wet days.
1: Well, it's getting chilly here. We had a nice, it was sunny today, but it was still like, it's it's nice, comfortable, wear a jacket, fall weather now.
0: Do you know how peak white girl I'm about to be? I'm thinking tomorrow when it's like 70 something degrees and raining because uh, Sally's going to be coming in on us. I think I'm going to go get a pumpkin spice latte tomorrow because it's oh, the first cold geez. snap we had. I'm yeah, going to be like... peak white girl tomorrow and be like, I could face a hurricane to get my pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> I have to run errands tomorrow anyway, so I might just be like, yes. Just a side edit here, I didn't get my pumpkin spice latte because I'm a responsible adult and it's a pandemic, so no peak white girl yet. All right, enjoy the show. So, listeners, this is a wrap-up. Now, if you're familiar with our show J-Guys and Jedi, this is going to sound very, very familiar to you, but what we're going to do is we're going to go through and ask very general questions that we're both going to answer and just kind of talk about the season as a whole. I almost did some deep diving questions, but I decided I'm going to wait till season two because that's when we're going to have the entire show under our belt and that's when we'll do a much deeper dive on Gravity Falls. But for right now, we're just going to wrap up the season and look back on it and talk about it.
1: Easy enough.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first and foremost, in no particular order, what are your top five favorite episodes and why? And I think we have one. I, actually,
1: I think we got four out of five. In, in, we have uh...
0: three. We have two different ones.
1: Oh, yes, we do. We do. Mine so, are actually in order, too.
0: Mine are in the order that they aired. <laughs> Not in actual favorite order, because I really don't have a favorite. I, I have one episode that's my favorite episode of Gravity Falls, and that's in season two. And then there's the rest of the show, <laughs> which is kind of like different variations of love. I couldn't... I've actually tried that. I've tried to, like, pick my top favorite episodes of Gravity Falls in order, and I was just like, I can't do this. <laughs> I know my lower ones my higher ones. That's about it. So.
1: I'll start from the bottom, and then and we'll,
0: we'll Meet talk. the middle.
1: Yeah. And we'll... Yeah, we could talk about the ones we have in common, and then we can and talk about the ones we don't when we get to them okay my number
0: as we normally do on jay guys and jedi
1: (laughs) yep you know you know the drill okay number five i got time travelers pig why i love time travel stories and i like how they did this one and it was funny because i kept hearing you talking about it and i kept hearing time traveling pig yeah no the pig was just a pig yeah, I just, I love how time travel stories play out. And this was like a super fast and loose back to the future. And then you've got Blinden Blandin going on. So yeah, it was, I, yeah, I'm a sucker for the, that stuff.
0: I also have Time Traveler's Pig on my list. Because it was my very first episode of Gravity Falls, it's still just a super nostalgic episode for me. Like every time I watch it, I get taken back to being in my friend Shelly's house. And, like, sitting on her couch and just being like, whoa, what is this show? This is awesome. I love the intro to Waddles, and Waddles is great, and we get to see, like, him and Mabel together doing cute stuff. Well, Waddles
1: is, like, your greevy so this is your origin story of Waddles, so.
0: You know, I wouldn't say qu- he's quite my Greevy. He's not t- to that level, but I do like Waddles just as a cute little pig. <laughs> he's just so cute. Gosh, who would be my greevy? You know, it might be the trickster. And for anybody who doesn't listen to Jay Guys and Jedi uh, Grievous, Like uh Grievous is like General Grievous is like Chris's favorite character of Clone Wars and so that's like his babe. I would have to say probably the trickster, because I love that character. But yeah, I, I love Time Challenge Pig and we get to see the story kind of develop more where the twins are actually having to face off against each other and yeah, I really, really love the the episode so much. So what's your next one, Chris?
1: all right number four is carpet dm that one was a fun just pure chaos episode for one i love a i love secret rooms for for one so that was that was nice that was uh a sort of development in a direction that i wanted but basically it just turned into like super crazy freaky friday and it had Seuss with his pig teeth too You loved that. I did love that. Uh, That will be coming up later on in the episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My next one was Double Dipper. The the A-pot with Dipper and Wendy is fine, but what where that episode really shines is setting up um, Mabel to have her rivalry with Pacifica, but also Mabel meeting Candy and Grinda. And like Mabel is like, that is the story that makes that episode. And I love Tyrone and I love Paper Jam Dipper. And I, it's just so much fun, but it's, it's Mabel is so good. And that, that episode really establishes why Mabel is such a good character. And I also really love Pacifica, Gr- Candy, and Grinda so much. So, what's your next one? Another one we share.
1: Another, another one we got in, in common land before swine. This one is like sort of the transition into the transition. This is where like the weirdness becomes a common element between all the characters. Well, what what you know, Wendy's been involved before, but like all our main um pine family characters are finally on the same page in one adventure it's dinosaurs too so
0: we were just talking about dinosaurs before we started recording yeah (laughs) yeah yeah mine is land before swine is is definitely on my list too that's it's the first real adventure with stan where stan actually gets to be included and be involved with the plot and be part of the kids and stuff like that but, I also love seeing Stan's development. It's a really good first initial episode with him that really sets up the end game of season one because he it shows how far he's developed from that first episode that he cares about the kids. And he has especially this relationship with Mabel, which is super special. And just the scene of him, the first scene of him lying and like like feeding waddles while he's glowing, just always makes me laugh. But that that scene where after he fights the pterodactyl and he climbs back up with a rock and he like waves Waddle's little hand and Mabel's just wearing his fez like that, just that warms my heart every time. Twelve sizes. <laughs> <laughs> what is your next one?
1: Gideon Rises.
0: This this would be my like one if it wasn't my top five. This would be my, my number six. So this was let's just say this is my honorable mention because it almost made the list. too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and you can almost mix it in with Dreamscapers since they're to be continued, but it was my second to last, just because I like Dreamscapers better, but like a great setup for season two and um, a giant Gideon robot that is nicely realized. So the, the battle with the giant Gideon robot is pretty crazy as far as giant robot battles go so yeah you, you, you just can't go wrong with the uh, ending the season this way
0: yeah My other one that we have different is Summerween. I love Summerween. I love this episode. I'm probably going to watch it again in a couple of weeks once we're in October because I watch it every Halloween. And it just gives me those like warm fall feelings. (gasps) I should get my pumpkin spice latte, come home and drink and watch Summerween. That's what I should do. Oh, my God but the, the trickster is my favorite individual like monster of the week. Like I love his design, I love his character. I'll come back to the trickster and gush about him more in in a little bit. So. And our final one that was both of our favorites.
1: If if you haven't figured it out by now, it's Dreamscapers. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the movie Dreamscape and I'm a big fan of things getting weird and this has both of them and more. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it has it has a lot of the humor of this season, but like it also you get to take a little walk through the mind of Grunkle Stan. And who doesn't want to see that? And it has a Stan Crab in it too.
0: <laughs> Dreamscaperers is by far the most important episode of season one. And it was my favorite episode of the show, well into season two. So I really, really like this episode a lot. The introduction of Bill Cypher is so much fun, and he is just, it, it makes this show just go up another level. Because so far, it's just been like, yeah, the weirdness of Gravity Falls, and it's like, no, we just stepped Goofy up into
1: monsters.
0: Until, yeah, and we just monsters. stepped up into like an interdimensional demon that's older than time, and like, that is a step up. <laughs> I would like to come back to this episode um, once we get into season two. Um, I think it would be interesting to rewatch a couple episodes, and this would be one of them I would want to rewatch because there's a lot of stuff in here I can't talk about, but I would love to revisit it with you. (laughs) All right, so for our next question, what is our least favorite episode of the season and why? I picked
1: Bottomless Pit just because... And not that I didn't like that episode, actually. I like episodes like that a lot. It just felt like it was three episodes that didn't make it pushed together sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really, like, figure as you know. Actually, they worked in Dreamscapers. They worked it in into the whole story as a whole. But, eh, okay. But, uh, like, Headhunters wouldn't be far behind, and the one with the... the Oh, what was the president's name?
0: Oh, irrational treasure.
1: Yeah, irrational treasure. My all, they, they all, all, three of those are all in my like good, but just not my favorites. They didn't like, I, they they weren't as monstery.
0: Hmm.
1: I like more uh, monsters.
0: Headhunters is my least favorite. Um, irrational treasure would be a very close behind. Irrational treasure is more of like a series of gags. And of course, when we say least favorite, don't get us wrong, there's no bad episodes. There's always there's still something in every single episode. But for me, Headhunters, it's just fine. Um, It's in that kind of transitional period before they really to me, before they really crank up the plot. So you have, like, Torch Trap, which is the first episode and establishes everything. Gobblewonker opens up the world more, where we meet characters like the Talons people and the Gucket. Mm-hmm. And it's our first mm-hmm. it's our first real, like, monster adventure. Yeah. And then in episode four, they introduce Gideon as being a, the bad guy, uh, of, of as being a bad guy. And so then you have Headhunters, which is kind of like in this kind of middle area, which is sort of just like, it's, it almost feels like it's trotting water a little bit just to get before they get to like yeah. the more meaty stuff.
1: It's tre- um, treading water bet- <clears throat> between um, humor and horror too. They didn't. They 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 sort of like made little moves towards the wax figures being kind of scary, but not quite. You know, they still were just played for comedy.
0: Yeah, though I still really love John Oliver as Sherlock Holmes. I think that's so much fun. And yeah. having wax Larry King's head say that llamas are the greatest warriors. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's right! I forgot Larry King was loose.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that was one of your predictions—is that he is in the vents? <laughs> Chris writes down like Larry King. How does he I fit forgot. in? <laughs> All right,
1: Larry king.
0: <laughs> yes, he's in the vents. <laughs> so, who do you was the strongest or best developed character of the season?
1: Uh, Dipper, for sure. With Mabel like close behind, almost in a tie, and mostly because like I think I think that I think I would have had to like declare it a tie if they hadn't for the first few episodes in the season just sort of had Mabel being like the total you know the, so they could focus on Dipper. Mabel was just sort of like this wacky force of chaos and stuff that Dipper would be at the end and just be like oh Mabel. But I, I, I thought towards the end of the, the middle on, or even before the middle, but after the first few episodes, Mabel and Dipper were, seemed to be, like, getting about the, the same amount of development to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Mabel really gets kicked off when she gets Candy and Grinda in her life, and I, I still think that's one of the strongest things that they did, so that way she can have adventures outside of Dipper, because, well, Boy boy Crazy, like, Dipper is the B-plot, and he's very rarely the B-plot. And, of course, we also have, like, Boss Mabel as well. So, while there are more Dipper-focused episodes, like, when Mabel was there, like, she does get, like, some good development, too. Dipper was one of mine as well, but I also, I, I picked Stan. Um, I was kind of... It was a toss-up between Stan and Dipper to me. Because Dipper, I think, had more of the kind of growing up journey. So, like, he learned to, like, fight for himself. And he learned how he found his own confidence. And he was, like, building all this confidence. And who he was in the first episode is very different from who he is in the finale fighting Gideon. But when it comes to Stan, like, he had a lot of emotional development. He definitely softened up. And his relationship with the kids really came out over the course of the show. And then just that very first episode where he's forcing the kids like to work and he's like grouching and yelling at them versus the Stan who was talking to their parents on the phone and realizing he has to do what's best for them. Like oh, that's a big change of character for me. So I I, I actually kind of give it more a little bit more to Stan than to Dipper. Dipper had the protagonist journey while Stan had the emotional one.
1: Well you see I thought like Stan like I don't think He was taking as much of a developmental arc as it was we were discovering things about him. Stan was was always kind of a softy with the kids, you know. Right, right away they sort of established it when he's like, "Come on, we'll go on a fishing trip," and then they ditched him, and he was depressed and like kind of freaking out about it. It was more about like the kids getting past his crusty shell to see what he's really like but i think he was a softy from the beginning but there was just only a matter of i'm almost suspicious sometimes that stan might even have a kid maybe one of the authors of the books was stan's kid maybe that's why he's going back in time i just thought of that anyway but like i i i felt that like stan didn't really take a journey as like i think that like Stan, like I almost got the impression that Stan ca- calling up his parents and maybe not wanting to call his parents maybe might have had something to do with past Stan being the disappointing son in the family or something or being scared. So he was sort of like, oh, I'm back to, you know, I have to admit to my brother or sister that I got to send the kids back. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I guess it still counts as character development, but it's sort of like a development from... From our point of view, then yeah, than, I mean that's point of view.
0: That's why this is a, this is such a fun open to interpretation question because you're right. There, there are like I always love that scene early on in Double Dipper where Mabel is facing off against Pacifica and they're singing karaoke and like the whole like party like he's been chasing around this dollar bill because the Dippers are running him around, but he still takes that moment to stop and like cheer on Mabel and it's like a two second scene. But it's just, like, they they do really good things like that. So Dipper, I feel, like, is the actual, like, we're changing and going on an adventure. And I like kind of how you phrased it. Like, Stan really hasn't changed, but he changed for the audience. But he was always the same the whole way. But because we're looking at the show through the kids' eyes. Through the kids. Yeah, so he changes for us over the course. I liked how you phrased that. So who is the character with the weakest development this season?
1: So I was so I basically figure I just assumed that we were keeping it to like the family and it doesn't Susan have to Wendy be. it
0: doesn't have to be it can be anybody
1: yeah, yeah well well I mean the, the, <laughs> then there's, a, there's a whole it's town full, right there's a whole town full then you know I mean there's a whole town full of you know get him guy is is the least developed oh no he isn't the least developed because he does get a, a, a sad ending arc. But I, I, I kept it. I kept it to the kids, Stan and Seuss and Wendy, and uh, uh, just because they were are the like main focus of our story. You know, everybody else is sort of another degree beyond them. It's, it's the fir- first degree of of the Mystery Shack, and uh, so out of that, it would it would probably be Wendy with Seuss not far behind, because. They're both well developed as who they are, but they don't change an awful lot. I would say that Seuss probably cha- changes more than Wendy, or or is or we get a better more perception of him. Wendy is just a sort of like she's the cool, collected teenager who's probably not as confident as she puts on, but she's from from her lumberjack household. So, but they really just sort of act as sort of stabilizing characters who are just sort of reliably who they are and doing doing what they, you know, they come in and sort of do their function. Wendy by being cool and unobtainable and Seuss by being the Zen master.
0: And has a truck.
1: And the and, and source of transportation.
0: <laughs> and um, a sort of
1: Jiminy Cricket.
0: He is the Jiminy Cricket. Sort
1: of character, yeah.
0: I mean, I was, gosh, I was reading the uh, Seuss Wikipedia page on the Gravity Falls Wikipedia, and the person was, like, describing Seuss's personality, and they're like, he's super naive and doesn't realize that the thing going, thing's going on around them, and I was like, did you watch this show? He's the most aware character on the show. <laughs> what are you yeah. watching? He's the most zen character there. For me, it was Wendy. It has been really interesting going back through this first Season with a fine tooth comb because it, because I have knowledge of season two and I I know who she is and what she becomes in season two, so it is a little bit frustrating rewatching this because she's not even really a character she's more of a stereotype and an object for Dipper to pursue, and ah oh, that's yeah well, <laughs> but they she, sorta, it's, they it's, sorta, it's the role they, that she has to play at this point yeah I but, mean but I the mean, thing
1: is story wise she isn't she's. They, they portray her as a real character and not an idealized thing for Dipper. But since so much of it is skewed towards his point of view, we just see, you know, Dipper. But they always make sure to portray her as just sort of being aware of it, but just sort of above it all and trying to be cool about it.
0: Yeah, and, and I think and, and, um, she's a really good character. And I do like, she does have some really strong moments in this first half of the season, but her her story of, like, who she is and stuff like that, like, that's why I loved, like, Emboss Mabel, that we got to really see her for the first time from someone else's point of view, because we got to see her through how Mabel views her. And right. then she had that great moment in Boy Crazy, where Dipper and Stan and Robbie were all pretty much kind of jerks about everything that she was going through. And she had that great moment where she told Dipper off. And so she does have some like really shining moments of like story outside of Dipper, but it is, it is a little frustrating just to watch this through with the, with a fine tooth comb, really understand, like knowing and seeing how much of this show is from Dipper's point of view. So it's just a little, a little tough. I I can't wait for you to get into season two because she Wendy's
1: it make more sense, yeah.
0: Yeah, she's so, like...
1: A lot of times, I think, with shows like this with the ancillary characters, like, a lot of times those characters are in there, but, like, if they don't work out, like, nobody likes them, or they don't work narratively, they could be, you know, they might be in there less, or if they start, like, the dynamics make it to where they're interesting then they might get used more so i think like sometimes season to season they're they're like you know wendy would be maybe they're like hey you know the actress who plays wendy is really fun to work with and does a great job let's there's all sorts of things but they'll have these characters in the side so that they can and like McGucket seems like one of those characters that they were like hey you know we got a lot of uh a lot of people like McGucket. Let's uh, let's throw him, you know, like the McGucket jokes. Let's throw some more of him in, you know?
0: Yeah. I personally, looking at, uh, I pulled up the season two list. I personally call episode two of season two, the episode where Wendy finally gets to be a character. <laughs> and I love that episode for it. We will, it's coming. That would be in like, see, next week is your special. And then we get the specials. And yeah, in that, four, I mean, they three, might three not weeks. have just,
1: they might not have decided to, you know, to make her a full character until the writer's room meeting for season two or something, you know?
0: I mean, Alex Hirsch has, has said on record that, like, if he could redo the show, one of the things he would do is kind of rewrite Wendy's character in season one a little bit so she'd be not so tied to Dipper. And I think it's just one yeah. of those things, like, in hindsight, like, he looks right, Christy, right. just like, yeah, I, I see where people are, are like those uh, two. Or we're why, going why to people change are saying it, this. But-
1: you don't know, you don't know, you know?
0: Yeah, sometimes you you don't know how something's going to come off until you see somebody else's reaction to it, so. All right, well, let's break this down. What are... Did I put favorite Wendy moments? I didn't, did I? I didn't That's favorite- a little
1: harder because it's, as we were just discussing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Could we actually pick a favorite Waddles moment over a favorite Wendy's moment? Sure. <laughs> Which is the sad point that we could probably Off the top of our heads pick a favorite Waddles moment <laughs> So Anyway well, I already
1: know my favorite Waddles moment
0: What's your favorite Waddles moment?
1: It's when he fist bumps Stan
0: <laughs> My favorite Waddles moment is When Stan is lying and he has that Glow up of being fed cream Either that or When he is wearing the pig sweater Because he's a pig and he has a pig sweater <laughs> That's so cute if I had to pick a favorite Wendy moment, probably, probably the entire convenience store episode. That's just a fun one with her because that's also the adventure with the teens, and I really enjoyed that episode. And I I think that's a really kind of establishing her and her friend group. So that's, that's yeah,
1: hard. that's that's the pubesque episode yeah It's well, it's the pubos meet teens. So, and we yeah. have that
0: really nice moment with her character where she chooses to not tell the others about the Lamy dance. I, I, I think that probably is like one of the defining moments of her season one character to kind of establish who she is in Dipper's story of someone who has his back. That would probably be my top Lindy moment for, for the season is keeping that secret. Anyway, what was some of your favorite Dipper moments?
1: All of his pubo moments, every joke about his height or pimples or anything like that, was great.
0: The wolf um, boy, the wolf for
1: Number two is the the lammy dance.
0: I love the lammy dance.
1: That that was just a great humili- humiliating moment in the teeny puboist episode yet. And uh, my third was Tyrone melting <laughs> at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and just, But he just sort of had that, you know, it's been a good run attitude about the whole thing. Um, Which is good for a children's show, rather than the pain, <laughs> my soul.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's just like, dude, get out of your own head, and, and Tyrone. Actually, Tyrone's on my list. I love Tyrone. I think Tyrone's a really fun character. He's seeing Dipper bounce off a copy of himself, and like that episode of him realizing... How neurotic he is it's just so much fun and tyrone is just such um i guess he's, a, dipper.
1: he's a first generation dipper copy so he's pretty close
0: yeah and i think when it comes to tyrone like he's a little bit more chill for dipper so he's a good kind of balance to like dipper's like i'm in my head and tyrone's like a little bit more chill and also we got to see how great he is with paper jam dipper and like that scene where he's just like, don't you dare, dare talk down to him. He's one of us, and he's clearly sentient, and he like takes care of Paper Jam Dipper. Like I, I love everything about Tyrone as well. I, I love that moment where Dipper is fighting Gideon at the end in the finale, because you have that like moment of hesitation where he, you think he's not gonna, you know, he's gonna accept defeat, and he like just jumps off the cliff, and it's just such a great culmination of everything he's gone through this season has nods to the manotaurs, It has, like, all these things. And then he goes and he takes out Gideon. And at the end, Mabel comes in clutch with a grappling hook. I love that moment. And my other favorite Dipper moment is just the entire showdown with Rumble McSkirmish um, and Fight Fighters. Because that sequence is not only really well animated. It's so fun. It has all the video game jokes. You have Seuss there.
1: It's um, brutal, too. <laughs> yes.
0: it's eaten
1: bloody in black and blue.
0: Yeah, but like the whole just sequence is really good. And it's a good character moment for Dipper, too, where he's just like, I have to fight my own fights. I can't keep, you know, running away from this. I have to face my own problems. And he does. And it's a really good character moment. (laughs) I almost like knew this was going to be on your Mabel list. So what are your favorite Mabel moments of the season?
1: Legalize everything. Yep.
0: I figured that was going to be on your list.
1: Predictable. Um, That's
0: like everyone's favorite Mabel moment. Like that's like the like the usually on people's like top five where people's like yeah. It's just a great.
1: It's a well. It's a great. It's not that. Well, it's also that I like the idea of legalizing everything, but I also like how just instantly. I mean, it does. There's no hesitation in a heartbeat. That just, you know, that's been waiting to just like. (laughs)
0: That's, that's actually the, moment. <laughs> the
1: first sign of power that was what she articulated and that makes her okay in my book.
0: That was actually the moment that I was that kind of the, the first Gravity Falls moment that popped up on, online before I ever watched the show because I remember being on Tumblr and just seeing all these gifts of this girl yelling legalize everything and she's in a top hat and I didn't know what it was. Um, and so I finally like watched the show and I was like, oh, oh, that's what that was. So that like that, that's how popular that moment was, because it was just everywhere on Good Twitter job.
1: and on oh. Tumblr.
0: And I didn't even know what Gravity Falls was at the time. But that is a moment that I saw everywhere.
1: <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. I thought it was I, I thought it was pr- a particularly me sort of thing. It is. No, no, it isn't.
0: It's a you and everyone else. Uh, just like
1: everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. I love her candy hallucinations in the convenience store episode. <laughs> Those are some bizarre ass hallucinations.
0: And. Ayoshima. Oh,
1: you gotta give the you gotta give the animators credit on that, and the cat fists at the at the end of the last episode.
0: Which, oh, when she's fighting Bill Cipher,
1: <laughs> and she's just shooting her cat fists out, but every once in a while she'll just take him and let her let him lick her face first, and then shoot him at him.
0: <laughs> For me. I love Mabel and Mermando. Oh, I
1: knew that was going to be your number one. I I
0: love them. That's my favorite crush she has of the show. Mermando's just a sweet, precious baby. And they're such cute little weirdos together. And they brush each other's hair. I I looked up, like after we recorded that episode, I looked up Mabel and Mermando fan art. And it's just so cute. There's all these, like, beautiful, like, underwater scenes of them, like, swimming together and being cute together. And then I came across one where Mermando was around, like, there were some other mermaids in the background, and he finds a hairbrush, and he's just clutching it to his chest. And I was like, no, Mermando! I was so sad. And I was like, honey, he misses hairbrushing his hair. (laughs) I love them, Chris. I love Mabel and Mermando so much. And she gave it up so he could be with his family. So good. Anyway, sorry. I just had a lot of feelings about them. I also love... I love the whole plot of Little Dipper of not only just Mabel meeting Candy and Grinda, but I love everything with the three of them together. They're such a good unit. And Candy and Grinda make Mabel a better person. They hold her accountable and boy crazy. They help her get stronger. And it's nice to see Mabel just being unapologetically girly, but still going on adventures, which I think is a very important kind of kind of hero that she should be where she's perfectly fine like getting her nails done and having like slumber parties and then she'll turn around and shoot a grappling hook at a manatar like that's such a cool character balance um and and Candy and Gr- Grinda give her that av- avenue to be that kind of character so just anything with the three of them i just i love whenever they show up and and we, we, I don't have them really listed anywhere else. Candy and Grinda are really good characters, too. They're really fun. They're really good support characters. I love them in their, what they do for this show. And finally, Mabel's rivalry with Pacifica. I love how Pacifica also brings out... And I just also love Pacifica as a character. I think she's a fun, like, little snobby archetype. We'll, we'll probably talk about this, like, at another time when we get later into other shows and stuff like that. But... Pacifica is such a great like first character and is the reason why we have other characters today like Amity Blight in the Owl House or Sasha in Amphibia. Like she was the first one who were those kind of archetypes and Pacifica I I just love her but Pacifica brings out such a great side of Mabel because Mabel was willing to forgive Pacifica for like their rivalry and, and, and double dipper and when Pacifica doubles down, Mabel's like, "Oh, it's on now." All right, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I
1: think, you I like, if I had counted more ancillary characters, she might be the most underdeveloped because not underdeveloped, but like it just seemed like she came out, developed a rivalry, she was in like I think like a About spread of episodes. like three episodes, and then, and then and then and then nothing. And, like, I thought she was going to be turning up a lot, like, after that. And I'm sure she, she'll turn up more. But, like, yeah, I, I thought by the end of the season, she and Gideon would be, like, were, like, you know, have a, forming an uneasy alliance or something.
0: Yeah, but I, I do like Mabel and her relationship with Pacific. I, I do think she brings out not only the best, but the competitive of Mabel, too. Yeah. So what was your favorite Stan moments?
1: oh geez
0: there's so many
1: um there's the apology so song just because i knew it was coming
0: i'm the wrong song
1: he gets a lot of really rude jokes there and then too many to count but a lot of adult jokes thrown in on the side i like that he's a good character for the writers to to amuse the adults
0: i'm gonna uh, interrupt I'll- you for half a second if you had to pick a favorite character of this of the show so far who's your favorite character of the show so far (laughs) (laughs) okay you can muse on it continue muse Mm. on it Mm. i'll i'll throw it on the bottom for chris uh,
1: stan's pterodactyl story when he tells the story of how he beat the pterodactyl to to try to save waddles in the house and my other favorite thing about stan is we've gotten to see him like in uh, like all sorts of different phases of stan (laughs) so far so that's that's always i don't know maybe stan might be my favorite character
0: he's my favorite character so
1: he's the most interesting character he's obviously a colorful personality i mean there's a million the thing about stan is there's a million Throwaway scenes, too many to even remember. Like, there's one where, like, he's teaching, you know, they're just like family guy gags to illustrate a point or something. But, you know, there's one where he's like showing them how to counterfeit bills, and then you see police sirens show up, and he's like, oh, God, and, you know like a five second gag or something of all the bizarre and and sketchy stuff that like he's done with the kids or
0: and then there's like very the like relatable stuff like his date with lazy susan
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, the the show likes to do lots of gags of like really hor- the like really like sketchy stuff to do with with your your niece and nephew but that when it's in the story, it's mostly you know about him relating to them as people. But there's a lot of throwaway g- gags that if you just watched all the throwaway gags, you'd think Stan was a horrible person and a complete exploiter, you know, type of character, you know, just being played for as as sort of a, a heel.
0: I mean, but, he did that in Carpet Diem, where he was just like, oh, you both want the room, pander to me. Fight,
1: yeah, fight, <laughs> fight, for it. fight. be nice for to me yeah
0: Um. oh I should have put in the joke what was your favorite TV gag of the of the season <laughs> cause oh, man, baby baby so fights good. is up there for me
1: <laughs> baby fights is, is really good and so is the uh owl trowel
0: and I also love the black and white old lady period piece movie channel and <laughs> just like you had your chance at the cotillion you you had your chance at the cotillion you that's what I'm saying that's what
1: I said <laughs>
0: Yeah, he has so many good moments all season long, so... um, But if I had to pick a few... I, I talked about it already when I was talking about Lamp before swine, but when he rescues Waddles and he climbs back up there and he waves Waddles' little paw, it's so heartwarming and so good. And, and and Mabel's wearing the fez and they have that cute little moment together and it warms my soul. Twelve sizes. Like I'm like the Grinch on Christmas Eve, and Cindy Lou Who is like sc- like screaming Christmas songs at me, and my heart explodes every time. I just love it so much. I love that moment and it just It gets me every single time. I love everything about Cash Cash Wheel. Stan being on Cash Wheel and Boss Mabel and just being on the game show. Because it's just the perfect thing for him. And he gets to just be Stan and like cheats his way in. Like gets through it and then just it's so Stan and I love it. And he gets his like little vacation clothes. It's nice seeing him have that kind of like change of uh, costume design too. But that reveal in the basement in the finale, that moment is just so good. After like, cause it, cause it's teased so little, like you know, it's in the well, beginning. Well, because
1: it's it's that what well, it's that thing where you're just going,
0: I, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it.
1: Yeah, you bastard, you 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 knew what you're doing. You know, yeah, I and knew
0: it. And I just I still remember the feeling of when that happened. Where like, because we had that little peak in Dreamscapers where Zeus opens the memory door and stands like, if anybody knew what I had down here behind but the. But they presented
1: it like such a throwaway gag that it sort yeah. of almost like distracted you away from putting any importance to it.
0: Yeah, and then when you get to that finale and you see him put in the number and you think it's going to be just another thing of him sliding down there, and then you start going down the stairs with him, and I remember that moment of is it happening? Are we doing this? And then he would go down the elevator and I was like, oh, is this happening? And then we see all the stuff and I'm like, oh my God. And then he pulls out that he's had journal number one this whole time. And it was just that moment of like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm excited. I don't know. I'm excited though. What is happening? Um, That's just such a good, good moment. And his final line of just here we go. It's just ugh oh, yeah, it makes me like punch I got I just got goosebumps talking about it like right now. I got the I got the goose pimples happening. <laughs> so yeah. Oh whew. what were I put the best Seuss Zen moments, but it's your best Seuss moments of this of the story. Eating
1: <laughs> the bad guy in Summerween. I know. Despite his, his love for life <laughs> it was overcome by the need for candy. <laughs> His pig teeth, as we heard earlier, I told you they (laughs) would come back.
0: I I I find that so funny that that's like the Seuss moment where you're just like, yes, this.
1: And I like, it's the Gobblewonker story that that was the one that just sort of, that was where I figured out he was the Zen guy. He was the one, if you just stick with him, it'll sort of work out, you know, even if nobody knows what they're doing. So, yeah, those are my three favorite Seuss things.
0: My my first one kind of ties in with that too because I just like whenever he protects the kids and he like so, saves them and the gobble is a really good story that establishes that like there's that first scene where the kids are like what's that in the water and before he runs after them like he picks up a stick and he lowers his hat yeah. he's gonna protect these kids and like he like physically carries them out of there and there's one scene where like he like actually puts his arm in front front of Mabel to protect her. And he does that again in Dreamscaperers when when it's revealed that Bill is pretending to be him. He runs over to Mabel and he gets in front of her. I, I like that about his character, that he is this protector of the kids. And anytime that happens at any point in the show, whether it's like Summerween or any of them. Well, yeah, he's um, like
1: reflexively loyal.
0: Yeah. I love Seuss freeing the pool ducks and starting the pool duck revolution. <laughs> It's just, it's such a funny, like, stupid joke, but I don't know what it is about that joke. I think it's just, it's just absurd enough, but also relatable because who hasn't talked to an inanimate object at some point in their life? Like, I'm constantly talking to my, like, car when I'm driving. I'm just like, all right, Alexei, come on, you can do it, buddy. Like, I'm constantly, like, talking to my car or if my computer's acting up, I'm just like, no, no, Bodie, Bodie, you I've can't said, act here, up on I've me. I've said
1: buddy. some terribly abusive things to some inanimate <laughs> <laughs> objects in my day. Some bikes yeah. and stuff, some mechanical I things. Name
0: mine. Like my my laptop is named Bodie. My car's named Alexei. Like I name my my items. My phone is named Will Scarlet. And like when my phone acts up, I'm just like Will, what are you doing? <laughs> so like I there's just something. I think that's where it comes from. But I love this idea that he's just really into these pool ducks and saving them. But the, I think the the mom that really stands out the most to me. And it was a moment that I never really thought about until we were like fine-tooth combing this show and stuff. But it ended up being like a really nice moment. And it was when it was in Boy Crazy when the boy band manager pulls up. And Seuss is just Seuss. Like he is just kind and polite. And and the manager leaves. And then it we see that he was just, he was doing it to protect the shack. Like, he sees Gompers, like, eating the license plate, and he's like, you're a good goat. So it, it like, it reveals that he is aware that this dude is a bad dude. Like, he is just being Seuss, even though he is fully aware that this guy is a bad guy, and he's on the Mystery Shack property, but he knows it, but he still reacts to this guy with kindness, and he's yeah. just being Seuss, and he's able to make this guy leave by just being himself, and then praises the goat for also recognizing that this dude is a bad yeah. dude. He appears, so to
1: be, he appears to be naive in his this story, to almost like a you know an oafish amount, but he's not at all. He instantly smells a rat with that guy. He's not. He's not like unconditionally trusting, but when you gain his trust, or like you don't even have to gain his trust. He just has that instinctual. You know these guys are good, and then somebody like that, he's just like, you smell like a rat.
0: Yeah. You um,
1: sir are a rat.
0: And I just like that moment where he looks over at Gomper's and he's just like, "Good goat." <laughs> because Gomper's is just like, "Man." If you had to pick a best Gomper moment, would it be Gomper's yelling at them falling down the hole? Yes. <laughs> Not like Gomper's has a lot of things. That to is do in the well shows.
1: that that is a true goat moment though. That's what goats do. <laughs> if you yell at a goat, they will yell back at you just like that.
0: Yes, they will. As
1: as a million YouTube videos can attest to it i highly recommend watching them
0: when we were it's... in high school uh megan owned goats so i would, oh, yeah. would constantly go up and like be around the goats and pet the goats and uh let the goats headbutt our hands and we would definitely yes. a few times just go bah! <laughs> and they would go bah! back at us what was your favorite storyline or storylines plural of the season that really stood out to you
1: i know i noticed we've got like, there's, there's two of them, and it's like, do I want to write these down? Because they're almost exactly the same as what Hope has. But they, they just are, and I, that's why we both have them on there. And the, the first one is obviously uh, Bill Cipher. Yeah. I mean, that's, that he's a different kind of character than we've had. Although, like, if you're a, a goofy conspiracy theory cult cults and stuff not like me, there's been stuff hinting at that in this show but it was sort of saying yeah yeah it's we're not really going that that's a little too weird for the kids but nope they didn't they went with a complete this weird abstraction character it's great
0: and i think for me when it comes to bill cypher um i and i'm talking about this from the point of view of me watching it for the first time like It it was a big threat, and I I recognized, like, oh, this is a big deal. Like, there's a lot happening in this episode, and I rewatched it a few times. But then when I saw, like, other people pointing this out, and I realized he had been in every episode up to that point, like, hidden in the background or something like that, it really hit me up, like, oh, there is something much more important going on if he's been in every single episode. And Bill flat out says, I'll be watching you, because he's been watching them already. And he knew exactly who they are, They were, you know, Pine Tree, question mark, shooting star. And he knew exactly who they were. And it, there's just this air of there's something more about this person because he's been here the whole time and he knows who they are. So, like, yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, he's, yeah.
1: He's not a goofy creature. He's something out of an Aleister Crowley book.
0: <laughs> he rips teeth out of a deer and then puts them back
1: yeah he has he has uh, some sort of control over reality so that's i that's
0: i do have to a dangerous out, like, character I've started noticing how much the deer just kind of get abused in the show. Like when chutzpah, the Manitar shows up, he grabs a deer and like scratches his back with it and then just throws it and the deer runs away. And then in the, the in Bill cipher, like rips the teeth out of the deer and then like puts them back. And I was like, well, the, I, the I, deer, think man. A, I think
1: it's a common, I think it's a uh, comment on how just deer are like squirrels in that part of the country. You know, there's just deer everywhere in the pacific northwest there's deer everywhere around here too i mean i
0: mean yeah we have like we have two babies and like three does in our backyard earlier today
1: so they just they they, i i think it's just sort of a running gag that the deer are just like there's so many deer so they're just always going to be the hapless wildlife that that gets their teeth pulled out and put back in
0: yeah (laughs) like Dipper is going to face the multi bear and like the deer just nods at him. I'm like yeah
1: <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot about the multi bear
0: <gasps> the multi bear is amazing what was your next one
1: this was also one we had in common uh, the subplot of Gideon's family being like uh, just a true horror story like a real horror story and not like a supernatural horror story <laughs> just the story of a tyrant kid and two messed up parents
0: yeah I getting in on this just mostly because I I realized I didn't really list him much in the rest of the stuff but I, I would probably say the rival story because I, I would kind of want to throw Pacifica in this as well just those rivalry stories of how these two antagonistic characters really helped uh, uh, Mabel and Dipper kind of go to that next level up and like kind of develop as well but gideon is definitely more of a threat than pacifica is because pacifica is just kind of there and you know a valley girl but gideon's actually a threat and he's the bad guy and i i like how they present him as being subtle too like there's an entire episode with them at the pool and gideon doesn't do anything but fight with stan over a chair because he's
1: in public oh did you ever watch little house on the Prairie?
0: Yes, but it's he's, not not since I was a kid.
1: <laughs> he's Nellie Olson, Laura's rival, who's sugary sweet in school. But when she's alone with Laura, she's just like, I'm going to ruin you on the history test. But yeah, Gideon, Gideon is, is like, he's at the pool, so he's got to maintain his public persona.
0: Which is and, actually very telling of like how smart he is because yeah, yeah. he's still getting at the Pines family, but he's also still putting up that front.
1: He's a psychopath, yeah. Mm. <laughs> the the only time like he has his grand moment when he's and you mentioned it in the episode when he's kicking him out and he's like and don't come back because I don't I don't really care. I don't
0: care for
1: y'all <laughs> I don't, don't really care for y'all but like it was only to the point of where he got the whole like town against them that he felt that that he was like now I can articulate it you know before that he had to just sort of be like oh pines you know blah 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 unless he was uh, you know unless there were no witnesses mm-hmm. but uh yeah he's yeah
0: he's the one that's also gotten the closest to I mean like in little dipper he definitely was a very threatening character, and if he he could have very easily taken out Stan if the kids hadn't intervened, and probably could have gone to that step earlier.
1: Yep, my third one was just sort of the last part of it, where um last three episodes where everybody just started getting on the same page. That's what I was waiting for.
0: I I still kind of wish they swapped boy crazy. With carpet diem. I still feel like that would have been the very natural ramp up because I, I feel like boy crazy just kind of like messes up that ramp up but I I yeah like it really shoots on all cylinders which leads me to my final moment where I love that scene where Stan is on the phone with the twins parents it's a really good, powerful moment for me to show how far Stan has come to where he really cares about those kids. And it's a very human moment for him. He doesn't, because he's such a, like, a con man and, like, such an outlandish character. He doesn't get those quiet moments. And when he does get those very, very quiet moments, they're very powerful because they're very few and far between. Um, So that, that one moment actually really, really stands out to me a lot. What was... The best creature or monster of the week for you. Um, My honorable mention is multi-bear too, because I do love, I love a Baba singing multi-bear, but that's my honorable mention.
1: The gnomes.
0: Why the gnomes?
1: Because they're just rude.
0: (laughs) They're
1: they're rude, unlikable characters, and they form into a giant gnome, and it's just perfect. They're just, they're so gross, and it's (laughs) good that they have gross gnomes. It's good we have gross gnomes we know who yours is
0: i love the trickster i love the submarine twit trickster i love his first form he's kind of hot i love his voice i love that first form i love a i, I love a tricky do uh, thing but also he's like the first he's the first really threatening monster because he's the first monster went if you don't trick-or-treat i'm gonna kill you and he has a track record of killing people um as we found out with the teens from the past And so, like, he's the first, like, really, truly threatening character. And it's just... And I love how his second form is just a nod to how Miyazaki films and how it's a nod to No-Face. I I really like that he has two different forms, and they're both unique, and they're just so much fun. I I just... I love Summering Trickster. He's, He's my favorite single bad guy. Overarching bad guy? No. But he's my favorite single bad guy. So who or what would you have liked to see more of in this season?
1: I think you should answer this first because I think yours answer leads into my answer better.
0: Um. Okay. Mine. Mine was just kind of windy. I would have. I think that's like little moments here and there that I. I feel like they could have wrote Wendy a little bit better. I, I was rewatching the hand that rocked the Mabel where Wendy comes outside to talk to Mabel about not breaking up with Gideon, and I still feel like that's a wasted scene. I. I still like. Yes, she's a teenager, and like sympathy is. Not the best with teenagers, but I I, I still feel like they ha- missed some opportunities with Wendy's writing earlier in the show. I think they got better with it later in the season, but definitely early in the show, I feel like they missed some opportunities with her writing.
1: I see. I Mine sort of includes Wendy in it because I would have liked to have seen Wendy with her family and Wendy's family. We see members of her family, but I would have liked to have seen more of like Wendy and the family dy- dynamic. I just have a feeling that would be a really fun family to watch I they think would like sort of they
0: saw her with her dad once and that was in dipper versus manliness and they didn't even do anything they were just right. eating pancakes at the bar
1: right right like but i could see like her family life being like super intense but at the same time it's normal for everybody there so you would have this like functional happy family but they'd all be like yelling at each other and the brothers would be beating each other up and dad would be like break it up you two you know you have to fight me before you can fight each other yeah Yeah, stuff like that i think it would have been fun
0: especially like um it's it's never confirmed in show but wendy's mom has passed away um and i that's something i wish that was confirmed in show um because i actually didn't know that until after the show ended and Alex. Was doing like an ask me anything, and somebody had asked about Wendy's mom, and I I think they could have done something really cool kind of story with that too, even if it was just something that was addressed at some yeah. point. So, what was your top what the fuck moment of the show of season uh, one? There were
1: there were several with the gnomes. The gnomes went to many uncomfortable places, um, physically and psychologically.
0: The Chris squirrel.
1: The, yeah, the the Chris the squirrel and. Just that you know, they had that middle-aged creepy guy thing going on, a little bit of incel going on, and just general gross. It was awesome, <laughs> it but it was still awesome. what the fuck.
0: Yeah, I think we missed everything with the manitars. The manitars just do uh, just so many things, like fist for nipples, or like the pain hole. They're just so <sighs> much. <laughs> I, I just rewatching that episode earlier with you and kind of like looking at it, I was like, you know, I do know this is the toxic masculinity episode, but there's just still just a lot in this episode. Yeah, and
1: hilarious.
0: they're so funny. And like, you know, they eat their elder and I'm just I'm not over the pain hole and just fist for nipples <laughs> is just like a, just a sight to unsee that you never will unsee. <laughs> so just, yeah, the manitars. All right, so those were all of our general questions, and since Chris watched the show for the first time, I have just a couple questions for him. One I thought of in the middle of this, so I added it. So, Chris, now that you have a season under your belt, what do you want to see going into season two?
1: I'm hoping it's sort of a large unified Bill Cipher storyline that you know at last it's going to sort of point to what's going on or resolve it. I don't know if they decided to resolve with this, but You know, there still can be monster shows, but with that going on as the background, the main thrust of it. And I think Gideon should be back, too, and he should be the most horrific aspect of the show again.
0: (laughs) Anything about what's in the basement? No. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't.
1: Yeah, no, I don't have anything specific I want from that, but I'm definitely intrigued by it. I just want I, I I just want to find out what's going on with it because then I'll be able to hopefully piece more together.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I sprung that on on you. And here's the question that I sprung on you randomly in the middle of all this. Hey, Chris, who's your favorite character of the season, or characters plural?
1: Well, hope it's it's funny that you just sprung that.
0: <laughs>
1: because maybe I may, maybe I have something here I like I like to call. The diary of my favorite character from Gravity Falls.
0: I just thought of like like the you sisterhood of. You know what I'm talking tra-
1: <laughs> about? <laughs> no, well, I just
0: thought of the, like the sisterhood of traveling pants, and then I just no, imagined I, like Dipper and Mabel ha- like sharing pants or something.
1: I'm talking about my half a summer stand evolution.
0: what this is okay i i didn't put this in because i didn't want to put pressure on you to do this because i know you have a lot on your plate so i didn't want to make you have to do this so okay guys
1: i'm gonna also <laughs> note it was my idea
0: yeah I, I was not gonna make i go through this every season of jay guys and jedi i wasn't gonna make Chris do this. <laughs> so
1: I d- d- believe me hope i did not go through it like you go through it this is not gonna yeah you guys don't have 20 minutes of this coming up
0: Okay, so let me explain what this is. So
1: I mean with hope it's like the highlight of everybody's season, but I know my my limitations, so
0: <laughs> So what this is, um it started on J Guys and Jedi when we were doing season recaps of Clone Wars, and I loved the character of Rex. So what I would do is at the end of every season, I would recap the season from the point of view of Rex. And it just got more and more elaborate and all these things. And then when we got to Rebels, I did it from the point of view of Callus. And the fun thing was Callus and Rex are both in Star Wars Rebels. So I would recap it from both of their point of views. And it's just a stupid, silly thing that I do. I just pull up the episode list and I go from memory, just going episode by episode from memory, just doing commentary from the point of view of the characters. And oh my God. But so it sounds like we're doing a Stan volution.
1: Maybe we are.
0: OK, maybe so we are. There's about to be. a So Chris is apparently doing a volution from the point of view of a character and he's about to recap the season from the point of view of a character. And I'm so excited. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna take it away, Chris. Boy,
1: oh boy. It's been quite a half summer for old Stan. I got these two twinsy niece and nephew kids here for the summer and after a rocky start. I think their old grunk is starting to grow on them. Oh, sure. I know most kids are going to idolize a guy like me, but I think they actually like me for me. Dipper has fallen over himself to impress his old grunkle by working like a dog, and Mabel has that good attitude that makes customers at the shack think we got happy workers here. Plus, they keep Seuss and Wendy out of my hair. It's fun watching Dipper's sad, unrequited crush on Wendy. Hits me right in the old memories. I knew these two would be okay because they instantly ran afoul of that snot-nosed Pacifica kid and that walking bouffant Gideon. Mabel even... <clears throat> Mabel even has been an effective... <laughs> le- <laughs> sorry. <Go
0: on. laughs>
1: Mabel has even been an effective wingman, but on deeper reflection, that might not have been the best idea. Problem is, these kids are a chip off the old grunkle block, so they're pretty smart getting worried at first because I hear these kids talking about gnomes and guys and mythological creatures, so now I gotta really play it cool. Hidden rooms? Who cares? Manitaurs in the woods? Whatever, kid. I'm thinking I might have a problem when suddenly we're all fighting pterodactyls in an underground world, so I'm kinda all out of the old plausible deniability. Then after a night of goofy nightmares, I think all my fears are coming true when that little runt Gideon got the deed to the shack, started showing up with two of the books. My goose was cooked, but then get this. Dipper turns out to be quite the little Stan, and he somehow whacked Gideon's little giant robot, put him in the grown-up clink. Now I'm back in the shack. Finally, I have all three of these books. And now, if you'll pardon me, I have to go do this thing that I've been waiting my whole life to do and do it with no explanatory exposition. So see you later. This is going to be the best second half of a summer ever. And I bet it's all going to play out in a timely fashion just the way I want it.
0: <laughs> what do you mention to Stanford? I just sit
1: on that through the whole show. I can't believe you didn't ask me if I had it done until. Yeah, he didn't even well, ask didn't about it. I you, was just I like, "Ooh, ask, am I gonna get through the whole show without without Hope mentioning this?" Yes.
0: Well, I just didn't. I didn't want to like make you feel like you had to, because I know you have a lot going on on your play right now with uh with your audio drama that you're working on. So, oh my God, Yay. I, because I, I honestly was like, how would he write this, not knowing the context of the whole show? And I just, Chris. That was brilliant. Thank you so much. And I love the Stan voice. I'm definitely keeping in the moment where you had to clear your throat because you were just like, <laughs> and I was like, that's a very Stan thing it to hurts. do. It hurts. <laughs> I know, gosh. Alex Hirsch having to voice like, you know, I, I keep thinking back to the Gobblewonker episode where he does McGucket, Stan, and Seuss all in the same episode. And I'm like, God, yeah. his, his voice must hurt.
1: He's probably coming in for you. I I would think you would almost come in for different sessions for each character to just sort of be fresh, especially since there's sounds so differently. You know, you're stressing different parts of your voice. And then, like, if you blow part of it out from a gucket, your stand's not going to sound right.
0: I feel like I read somewhere, but I'm take this with a grain of salt. And because this was something I read and it's been a while and I could be wrong because I don't have the source in front of me. I feel like I read somewhere that he actually took a little bit of a step back in season two. Because between producing, writing, directing, and doing like multiple character voices. I feel, I feel like I read somewhere that he got super burned out. So he actually had to take a step back. And I think that was part of the reason why there was a year between season one and season two. Because he kind of had to take a little break between doing all those. Which which is understandable. Alex's voice is like off the top of my head, Sue Stan McGucket, Bill, um, so many side characters, like he, and, and on top of writing, he, he has written almost every episode, except for, I think two in the entire show, um, and producing being an executive producer. So like, it's, it's understandable if he had to take yeah. kind of like a tiny break between seasons, yeah. because it's really admirable how much work he put into the show. I hope um, he
1: gets a lot of paychecks for all those jobs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He must be doing well now because he's on Owl House as a uh, main cast member, playing two of the main cast members actually. So, <laughs> all right, Chris, what were your final thoughts on the season as a whole?
1: It's really good. It was. It's a good. It, it's a good build up. It's. It's almost a build like. It's almost like the whole season was sort of a build up and lead up. And um, I'm gonna say I'm really glad I'm not watching it live. I'm glad that we can just like go straight through it it'll be interesting to see because it would have driven me nuts watching this all like with big pauses in it but uh it's built it's foundation for a heftier story like Filoni style I like it
0: yes it was maddening to watch it live with months in between episodes and then a year break it was maddening Chris
1: done it plenty of times with other shows yeah I'm just I'm always glad when I don't have to uh, I know I have the complete run of it at my fingertips at any time so i can just go through it I, I, not even in its natural way like in the way it probably like ideally should have been presented or whatever
0: I, I also, the most
1: satisfying way for me
0: <laughs> i think the thing i like about this season the most was going through it with you because going through this with somebody just watching it for the first time which is which is a semi new experience because I, I watched it with my stepmom but, and, but like, actually, like, sitting down and discussing it and, like, hearing your points of view and hearing your speculations. Like, there's, I love hearing what you get out of it and also the things you completely miss, which is so much fun.
1: <laughs> and you learn yeah. things like the Jammo song.
0: Yeah, I learned the Jammo song. And, and you have such a good insight on things like, um oh, what was his name? The dude who wrote the Book of the Damned.
1: Oh, um Charles, Charles Fort.
0: Yeah, Charles like, Fort. I... you have such a good knowledge about that kind of stuff. Like hearing about Charles Fort, like just really like clipped several things about the show in place for me. And so I I think that was my favorite thing about doing this is just seeing how you react to this kind of show and going through it. Um, As for the show itself, uh, this first season is a really strong one in how it handles the characters. I, I, to me, I think the weakest point is, Right at the beginning, where it hasn't kicked in the high gear plot, but once it kicks in the high gear plot, it does. It's such a good episode of world building and how it keeps kind of like bringing back everything, and introducing the bigger mysteries of the show. And the finale of season one feels very earned because by that time, like we know the townspeople, we know who they are, we know the Pines family, we know Seuss, and having that finale is just really really pays off because it's just a very earned finale but it's also just the beginning of what's to come so yeah
1: i am looking forward to it
0: i think yeah i think you're gonna have a lot of fun with season two i know i've said it before but there's a nice tone shift in season two and i think you're gonna really dig it
1: be pulling some of my some of my books off my supernatural section of my bookshelf for this one probably
0: yeah 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 i think you're gonna like it man All right. So, Chris, where can people find you?
1: You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's our podcast. And that is at 2TrueFreaks.com, as I just stated. And you can see and subscribe to all of our podcasts there. You can find the RSS feeds there and hit subscribe to any or all of our podcasts. Or you can find them on iTunes and you can also find us on Facebook with the Two Troop Freaks podcast page and the Two Troop Freaks Cantina. And of course, we are on the dumpster full of burning burning expired cabbages called Twitter with Gene Gene. The the guy this is the guy who runs our Twitter, the, the brave hero. <laughs> I, thought say, I thought you were about
0: to say the guy who runs our Twitter machine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> our, our, yeah. His his Jean Jean the coleslaw machine,
0: <laughs> piloting the,
1: Sorry. And that's it, fine. <laughs> walk all over your Jean song.
0: No, it's totally fine because I was going to say something because my dad makes really excellent homemade coleslaw. So I was about to be like, yum, 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 yum coleslaw Gene. I makes-
1: only make one... Ca- I make a really good Cajun coleslaw that, mm-hmm. that is made specifically for putting on your fish tacos.
0: Like, I've just, I've yet to find a coleslaw that matches my dad. Like, everything, like, there's others that are good and stuff like that, but my dad just, I think, I think it's because I grew up with it and it was my first experience with coleslaw. And he doesn't make it a lot. So, like, when he does make coleslaw, it's just like, yes! (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, he's He's making family-style coleslaw that's probably just, like, just all-American coleslaw. Mine is, is like, I was like, what would I put on, like, a taco with a with a fried and battered piece of catfish on it so it has like cajun seasoning in it and it's got you know the spicy brown mustard that has the big seeds in it it's got that in it
0: Mm, that sounds good
1: it's yeah it's all over the place it is good
0: i do like the americanized asian slaw where it's just like cabbage and
1: Mm -hmm. like
0: sesame sauce and like like kind of tons. kind
1: of a sweet sweet slaw, yeah.
0: Yeah, like the the Americanized Asian slaw. I do have a I'm a sucker for that. Wow.
1: Anyway, that's Gene <laughs> <laughs> piloting Jean. the burning coleslaw dumpster. <laughs>
0: Well, you can find me at GeekyGirlExperience.com. Um, of course, this is the animation podcast for Geeky Girl Experience. And you can read all my interviews and not interviews. You can read all my reviews and editorials over there. Um, Maybe also, there'll should, be
1: interviews someday. Who knows?
0: I'm looking into some things. I haven't been able to pull the trigger on them just because I've been... After the craziness, that was August where I did four events in 12 Bays. I've been kind of in recovery mode the last two weeks. <laughs> Uh, Because like directly after that, I got hit with a stomach bug. So I just kind of I I lost a week and then I had to play catch up for another week. So I'm just not kind of getting caught up. Something that I am doing is go check out my Etsy store, guys. There is a link on the website. I'm making some really fun merchandise for the fall. Uh, Chris was very helpful in helping me with some of that today because I don't know how to make pictures transparent for the life of me, (laughs) for the life of me, guys.
1: Isn't so, there like some like windows paint or something like some ba- like that just sits on windows that you should be able to do that? Yeah, with?
0: but if it's if it's um, it doesn't do it, if it's. If it, yeah, it Windows Paint doesn't do it. You have to actually have a program, and the program I have is the Transparent is a paid version, and I'm just like, fuck that. I'm poor, so (laughs) I I have a couple programs that I tried, and all of them are like, you must pay to make a transparent image. And I was like, this is bullshit. (laughs) So I tried for like half an hour before I finally came crawling to you, and I was like, Chris, make this transparent, please, (laughs) because I'm at my wit's end.
1: I I literally uh, pushed one button. It was great.
0: So easy. Ugh, ugh, ugh. You're going to have to tell me what program you use. <laughs> Photoshop. Yeah, I need to get Photoshop. <laughs> but yeah, uh, go check out my Etsy store. It's just Geeky Girl Experience on Etsy. And I have some Gowdy Falls merchandise over there, too. And I am making some spooky holiday items and some fall and winter items. And I'm very excited about it. Um, I also have my Patreon, which is patreon.com. <gasps> I didn't think my patrons this episode because it's not written in here. Oh, my God. Guys 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 I gotta thank I love- those
1: patrons
0: i know i know i love you guys
1: don't kate, be patronizing to your patrons
0: kate i love you alex i love you Bree, i love you patrick i love you lynn you know i love you you're my stepmom <laughs> that's a given <laughs> billy i love you heather i love you brian i love you gene we made up a song <laughs> about <laughs> you so Jane, we have a song about you. It's very obvious that we love you. Guys, thank you so much for supporting us. I should have written that into my notes, but this was our first season recap on the show, and I forgot, and I'm sorry, and I love you. Um, so yeah, check out patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. I have a Twitter, which is at HopeMolamets. We have another podcast, which is a Star Wars podcast, which is actually the format of this episode came from, which is called J Guys and Jedi, and that's also on Twitter at jguysandjedi.com. Chris, remind us. Because next week we're doing a special called Chris Makes Hope Watch a Cartoon. So yes. normally I would I would say the title of next week's episode. But you introduce next week's episode for us.
1: The ne- next week. Hey!
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow, wow. That sounds amazing. Perfectly
1: timed. Now I'm turning in this. Wow. I'm going full hope mode. Well, <laughs> not full hope mode or it wouldn't have been a sneeze.
0: Bless but, you, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we will be watching... Me for the thousandth time, and hope for the first time, one of my favorite favorite movies of all time, Bruno Bezzetto's version, Italian take on um, Fantasia, his his quote unquote parody of Fantasia, um, Allegro non troppo, and oh boy, I can't wait. We will. Uh, it's a uh, you know, it's it's very it's very much like Fantasia where it's classical class uh, a series of classical music pieces i think there's six of them and then a few like really tiny ones thrown in not only is it one of my favorite animated movies it's one of my favorite movies of all time so i can't wait i i love for i haven't forced anybody to watch this in like 20 years so i'm i'm really excited to get a fresh fresh point of view on one of my favorite animators
0: i'm very 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 excited about this so oh, ah! it's our first like well, I shouldn't say our first special because I did an episode with Allie about the owl house. It's our second special, but the first one where Chris makes hope watch a cartoon. So this is gonna be so much fun, you guys. Very excited. Is, is it I'm very excited to watch
1: the movie again.
0: Is it relatively easy to find online in case anybody else wants to no. watch? <laughs> <laughs> no. Awesome.
1: It was hard for me to find to see for free. There might be places where you can like pay to you know, it might be on Amazon Prime or something like that. I'm not sure. Or it might it might even be on Netflix for all I know. But uh it can be found on D V D. You can find you can find like all the individual pieces of it on you know, like the, the individual animations on YouTube pretty much. They're they're all sort of hanging on hanging on around there. I'll do a little research into it before we do the show. So hopefully when we do the show I can uh, give some people some resources to where they can Find it because I do like, I do want everybody. I, I highly recommend everybody watch that movie if you're a fan of animation, if you're a fan of Fantasia, too. Especially if wow. you're a fan of just being happy, experiencing the joy of art.
0: <laughs> I'm super, super, super excited. Yeah. So it's I'm
1: don't sure. worry, it's not super artistic, it's not fancy art, it's fun, fun, fun for the whole most of the family.
0: There are boobies in
1: it. <laughs> there, boobies, boobies there are boobies. in it. So
0: there's butts
1: in it too. Boobies, boobies and, butts. and butts.
0: Titties and asses. Naked
1: cartoons.
0: Titties and asses. I d- I think I just said titty molasses.
1: Titties molasses. Titty molasses.
0: <laughs> that's that's what uh that's what Hit Gideon me up would with say. Some of that
1: titty molasses.
0: Gideon would just be like, oh titties and molasses. Daddy, <laughs> get in here. <laughs>
1: Is that a I, r- real southern term Or is that just one you just made up right now That's
0: what I accidentally just said But now it is I,
1: It's That definitely has to Somebody needs to write that into a movie So people just think it's an old time phrase And start using it and it becomes
0: I'm gonna write like a Period piece of I don't know 1990s Georgia <laughs> And just have somebody be like oh, titties and molasses That's I that
1: boy is 90- slower than titties and, molas- titties and molasses. And people just go, "Wow, Okay. I, get the I love that
0: I said the period piece of 1990.
1: <laughs> it is now, yeah.
0: Oh, God. Alright, you guys. We will see you next week for Allegro Non Troppo. Yay! Bye! Hey, guys. Did you know that you were actually two months behind on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, my patrons over on Patreon have access to more episodes of this show as well as behind the scene content. Patreon is a great way for you to support this podcast and my website, Geeky Girl Experience, with multiple tiers of content that you can choose from. If you become a patron, you'll get your name shouted out in the episodes, as well as my never-ending gratitude. You can sign up today at www.patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. Thanks for listening, I'll see you next time, and I love you guys. Bye!